not always the way it happens. You, you come to love somebody else, and you're the one that ends up getting loved. Uh, we hope that's your experience as you come today. We're so glad to have you here, especially on Mother's Day. And be worshiping in God's time. I'm not all. noise. All right. Well, as I was saying, happy Mom's Day to all of you. We're so glad that you're here on this Mother's Day. And uh, before you leave today, we have a special gift that we want to give you as you go. Uh, We're going to be talking about lamps and how Jesus talked about placing those on a pedestal. And today we're placing our moms on a pedestal. And we just thought we'd give you a little lamp to take home to remind. And now it's not really a lamp, it's a candle. But, but, Imagination is needed here. Okay, so so take one of these home. It says on the front of it, the love of God shines through a mother of faith. So uh, take one of those ladies. And uh, if there's some left over and you want to take one for a mom who's not here, feel free to do that. Um, There's about 150 of those back there. There ought to be enough for everyone. And and we hope there's a little left over. So take one of these as you go today. uh, And uh, we hope the blessing will of Mother's Day will continue. Um, because we, we know the blessing of you being mom continues in our life. And we just, we thank you for that. Uh, where are the mothers today? Could I just have you stand wherever you are right now? Where are the moms? Let's give them a hand. Amen. Now, 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 now ladies, you sit down. And all the rest of us, let's give them a standing ovation. That's what ought to happen there. Yay! Before you sit, would you just stretch a hand towards a mom that's near you? Don't necessarily have to reach over or touch or anything. Let's just pray for them right where they are. Lord God, we thank you for these moms, for these vessels of your love in this world. And we pray your blessings upon them. We give you praise and thanks, not only for them, but for the mothers and the legacy that has gone before us, that we remember today from those who are with you, and someday we will be united, reunited with them, Father, for that legacy of love that flows from your heart through theirs to us. We give you thanks, and we pray that that flow would only increase, and they would know that they are loved far more than they can ever love by their heavenly parent. In your holy name, we give you thanks for each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. All right. Well, Jesus spoke uh, a parable. We've been studying the parables of Jesus, and, and by the time summer is fully here, we will have studied every one of Jesus' parables in the New Testament during this series, which is a, which is a lot of parables. But I've discovered that you that Jesus has a lot of really good material. Uh, what amazing teacher, what amazing truths are, are there for us to discover in the parables. In fact, we've kind of taken this uh, approach to it that within the parables, Jesus tells stories that help us see God and see ourselves even better. And, and so we're looking into these par- parables for clues of, of, of how our Heavenly Father sees us. And today is no different. 
As we look at this uh, parable, it's in Matthew chapter 5. That, that's from Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he, he, after he's talked through all the ways that those uh, who have a relationship with him are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are, are those who are gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed, blessed, blessed. The first uh, a dozen uh, verses in chapter 5 are about how we're blessed. And then he starts these verses in verse 13 about the way, now that we're blessed, we're a blessing. An Old Testament principle from Genesis chapter 12 that we are blessed to be a blessing. Let me start with verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You're a lamp. You're a lamp. And that, that's true of moms. It's true here, not just of moms, but of all of Jesus' disciples. He sees us as a lamp in his world. And he says that he places us not in a hidden place, but in a strategic place. This is an, a lamp that would have been like those that were used in Jesus' time. They were, they were a little vessel that oil was poured in, and, and, and then there was a wick that went down into the oil. And that, that way they could keep it burning and add oil as it got low. And, and Jesus says that you, you, you don't hide this somewhere. What you do is you, you, you put a light like this on a pedestal. So it gives room uh, and light and illumines the whole house. This is the parable that Jesus is speaking here. And he's speaking it not just about moms, but about all God's people. About those who have been blessed with a relationship touched by him. This is the life of the blessed. To be a blessing. Moms have a God-given role. And it's different through the ages. You know, that, that, that's an image that speaks to us of mom, but, but so does this next one. Uh, at different ages, at, at, at different times... In different seasons, moms bless us. They are a vessel for that blessing in different ways. The next picture. Uh, it doesn't matter what culture you're in. This is some mom of India. Uh, there with a, uh, a hoe to provide or to ward off. I don't know which. Over one shoulder or overlooking her children beneath her. Here's, it doesn't matter what culture we're from. Mothers are a universal symbol. Yes, you can go ahead. No matter what culture, or even if you're not even a mom. It's interesting to me that one of the most famous mothers in all the world doesn't have children of her own. Or does she? Or does she? I I would contend that she has some of the most children in the world because the way she shines her light in this world. Because of those who become her children because of the way that she loves, right? 
And, and so whether or not you, you have little ones running around at your knees right now or not, you, 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 can, you can be a mom, ladies. You can be this kind of vessel, this kind of light, this kind of lamp in your world. And really, and really all of us can. God calls us to be such a lamp. Every disciple, every mom. And here's the point that's being made. You have been strategically placed. And, and, and the example, the similitude here is, uh, you, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, I want you to hear this and celebrate this today, moms. Wherever you are, disciple, in this world, to be a light for God, that is no chance thing. You understand? God strategically places his lamps. You in that marriage, you in that family, you in that place of business, you amongst that team at work, all, all of our placement as disciples is God purpose. There, there's a design in this. Do you hear this? It's like, it's like a city set on a hill. Cities didn't just show up on hills. They, they, were, they were city planned. They, 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 were, they were intentionally set on a hill. And back in those days, now that's quite a hill. Uh, that, that almost looks like a lamp on a pedestal, doesn't it? No wonder Jesus... And, and this, this was the way that, that places of, of refuge... Were, were built in those days on a hot, you know, there weren't planes with bombs back in those days. Everything that came at you came at you over the ground pretty much, you know, unless you were shooting arrows, I guess. But, but, but how much more of a fortress and a place of safety that becomes when, it, when it's lifted up into a strategic place. In fact, in those days, even more than now, cities were often built on, on high ground. Here's, here's another city. Next slide. And he, and he says about these cities that this city, cities set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Cannot. You know, some of us, some of us have had moms that were given the role, but didn't flow in the love. But the influence and the mark of a mom cannot be be hidden. The place and a life of a disciple cannot be hidden. It's a place of great responsibility, right? Now, now you can ignore it. You can forget about it. You can neglect it. But guess what? Because God has given you that place of influence, good mom or bad mom, you are influencing. Good disciple or bad disciple, you have a realm of influence, right? God's given this to you. Right? And that, that, my friends, is a huge responsibility. And so this is something that we as disciples and we as moms are given grace to bear. And, and to bear gracefully. You know? he, he was about four years old and he had just picked up his mom and dad's wedding album. And dad was the only one home at the time. And he was picturing, you know, going through the pictures and he, he found the picture of the bride, his mom. And she was so beautiful as he turned the page, he actually outwardly gasped. (gasps) And he said, Dad, look at Mom. She was so pretty before she came to work for us. (laughs) Being a mom is a lot of work. 
But being a mom is a huge responsibility. A, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In those days, Rome was a, a city, uh, or at, was it Athens or Rome? Rome, I think, was a city set on seven hills. Athens was also a city set on, uh, set on a hill. The Parthenon up there is on, uh, what is that thing called up there? There's the, that, that big rock. The Acropolis. Somebody studied their humanities. I am so impressed. The Acropolis, that's exactly right. And, and, and you can see, today you go there as a tourist and you'll see it lit up. But imagine back in that day when there were no street lights and there were no cars on the roads and there no, were no ships with lights in the harbor. What it must have looked like in that dark world for that whole city to be on that hill. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. God has placed you in such a, a prominent role wherever you are to be a light for Him. He, he says that it's in His purpose to, to give you a place of influence and that place is a, a place on a pedestal. A place intended by God. You, you, you're, you're like a city that's, that's set on, on a hill. You've been placed And not only has God given you that place, but God longs to bless you in this place. Like like we said earlier, this is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And and in, in these previous verses coming to this where he's talking about how you can influence, he talks about how he wants to influence you. As he begins to talk about how your life poured out to others blesses them, He's begun by talking about His life poured out to you and how it blesses you. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are they because they know who God is and they know they don't have to be God. That's a lot of weight off your shoulders. God can be your God and He can empower you to be an incredible mom and an incredible disciple. A person who has a witness wherever you are. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are, blessed are those who uh, are, are mercy givers. Blessed are the, are the pure in heart, those that are uncompromising and cherished. Anybody hear me describing your mom here? Blessed are the peacemakers, those who make for peace. How many times has that been the case in, in your home? Blessed are they who are ever mindful that All that they must endure now is a part of serving a master who will always reward them ultimately in heaven. Blessed are the persecuted, for the persecuted shall be rewarded. Those who have an enduring witness here are often connected to a God and to a heart that so blesses them that they can continue to pour themselves out even when sometimes they aren't as appreciated as maybe they should be. Not recognized as often as even the Lord would require. But today is Mother's Day. And today we rise as your children, as those homes that have been blessed by you. We rise, as it says in Proverbs 31, uh, for that woman that is the woman that, well, Solomon's mom wanted for her son. We rise this day to call you blessed, to say thanks. To say there's so much that we couldn't do without you. Jesus, 
from that place of knowing you're inwardly blessed talks about this outward expression to be a blessing. And, and, and really, where would we be if, there, if God didn't work like that specifically through moms? You know, where, where would Samuel have come from if there wasn't a Hannah? Where would the whole line of David have emerged from if there wasn't a Ruth, a woman of that kind of character, who was so bold in her commitments that that boldness would someday live in a great-grandson who would say, who is this that defies our God? Who is this taunting Philistine? Where do you think that little shepherd boy got that kind of heart? If there hadn't been a Ruth. No, I won't turn back where it's easy. I will go with you, Naomi, where where you go. And your God shall be my God. And your people shall be my people. And I will lay down in the dust wherever you are. I go with you. I commit myself fully to you. And a woman with a commitment like that drew a man like Boaz that... Created a family that became that one that was blessed all the way down to our Savior. It's, it's amazing. If there wasn't a Ruth, the line would have been broken. It, where would John the Baptist be if there hadn't been an Elizabeth? Or a John Wesley if there hadn't been a Susanna? Y'all know that story? John Wesley, our founder, and Susanna Wesley, his mom. Now, he he had come from a line of clergymen, but no one influenced John Wesley more than his mother did, Susanna. She she had nine children that died in childbirth, but 11 survived. 11. Yeah. And and, and John was one of the three boys, and there were seven girls, and... uh, Methodism began as a restoration of inward spirituality because John Wesley said, we're not going to just read the scriptures. We're going to get together and read them together. And then we're going to go out and we're going to try to live this stuff. Just practical Christian living. People watching over one another in love. Encouraging one another in their faith. We do small groups in the church today largely because of the genius of that. And that wasn't just John's genius. And that wasn't just Jesus' genius. He chose 12 that they might be with him. That he might send them out. Jesus understood the power of family and of groups. And and how we're shaped in relationship with one another. But John Wesley did not learn that from his father. He learned that from his mother Susanna. He, he gathered his followers, Whitfield said, as he spoke to thousands and thousands in the Great Awakening, became Christians because of Whitfield's preaching. He had one of those voices that could be, he didn't need any kind of amplification. He's known to have talked to 30,000 people at one time without needing any, now that's a voice, you know what I mean? He'd be a powerful speaker. But John Whitfield said that Wesley was wiser than I. All my converts, he said, have disappeared. But John joined his converts into little companies that they might watch over one another in love, where all my converts are a rope of sand. The power of family and those who who influence. John Wesley learned that from his mom, who spent an hour every week with every one of her 11 children, teaching them Latin and Greek by the time that they were five. Making sure every one of her boys were Oxford educated. But more than that, every week for one hour, she held them accountable 
for their spiritual growth. So when John Wesley went away to college, what did he miss? An hour of week with spiritual parenting. And that's what he created. And that's what became anything, uh, much of the power of the whole Methodist movement. And it didn't start with John, you see, like most of us think. It, it, it started with Susanna. A mom who poured into her kids that they might become a torrent of God's pouring love in this world. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Mary. Thank you all, moms. Thank you, Mary. She was a model mom in that the angel came to her to uh, announce to her uh, the result of the pregnancy test. She was with child and she knew not how. And the angel, I think, comes not only to form, uh, to inform, but also to give her a a place of response. Do you remember what she said? Be it unto me, according to your word. Behold your servant. You see, see, there's an empowering response that we make when we realize that we're, we're a lamp that cannot be hidden. And that response is that, that we embrace that we're a lamp that should not be hidden. That, that, that we take responsibility for being God's servant, for be it unto me just as you said by your word. You are placed... But not only that, you are placed with a purpose. You're a lamp on a stand. It's a strategic placing, a place giving you uh, places of influence. Not only can you not be hidden, but the good news is that you should not be hidden. You are are blessed to be and a blessing. Everything that God calls us to do, He he also empowers. And, And if that's true, then let's shine. Let's shine wherever we are as disciples. Let's be those that so drink of God's love that we, we have it to give away. His strong, life-changing, life-giving, life-shaping kind of love. But, but, but it's only natural when you pour yourself out like that. From time to time to feel empty. Any mom ever felt that? That just pouring out continuously? You know, I, I don't know how Cheryl does it. You know, laundry load after laundry load after laundry load after laundry load, and still there's a pile. Oh my gosh. You know, in simple things like that. Sometimes in even more heart rending things, I've poured myself into this child and poured myself into this child and poured myself into this child and. The pouring doesn't seem to be taking shape. Lord God, help me. What, what's the answer here? Mom, mom's hearts pour themselves out continuously. And, and, and maybe, maybe pastors just have a little taste of that. Uh, I don't think to the extent and to the regularity that any mom does. But, 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 
but every pastor knows what it's like to have a bunch of chilling. And, and uh, I was traveling with my dad one time when the chilling that he was overseeing had about worn him to a frazzle, you know. And, 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 and kind of getting away from the chaos and the grind of all that, we went as a family taking uh, 80 of these people, I think it was at the time, to the Holy Land. Two big buses were going and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and Dad is just exhausted. You could see it in his face. I could see it in his face. We were on vacation. He was still being a pastor. You know what I'm talking about? And, and we go up to this place called Caesarea Philippi. You know where that is? It's, it's up in the mountains, like, like a city set on a hill. It, it, it's up in the mountains, and it's a strange place because you would not expect water to flow out of a mountain that is not snow-capped, right? But, but, but here's this mountain place, and, and from up there in that mountain place, this, this stream just flows out of a cave, or it used to flow out of a cave. It was a place that in that desert land, from that headwater, th- those waters become the Jordan River and go through all of Israel, a desert land. And wherever that Jordan River goes, it's green on both sides. And you can, from Mount Hermon, stand up there and look down through that valley and see the green and the dead, dry stuff off on both sides. Just a beautiful picture of where the water goes, the life goes, right? And people understood that. Even pagans understood that. And so they understood this kind of miraculous life-giving power that this water had in their desert land. And so they would set up uh, pagan places of worship around, around this stream that came mysteriously just flowing out of this cave up on the top of, uh, of that mountain. It is a place called Caesarea Philippi. This is the place where Jesus said, The gates of hell shall not prevail against me and my church. And, and what he was, they called that place because of all of those pagan sites of worship around that water source. They called that place in that day the gates of hell. The Jews did. But Jesus was saying, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my life poured out into this world. Right? And then almost as if Satan was trying to, to mock his words, a couple hundred years after Jesus said that, the cave caved in. It caved in and it actually blocked the water flow for a season until the water flow became so powerful behind it that now, not out of the cave, but just out of the rock 10 feet beneath it, a stream flows. Just, there's the rock, here's a stream. How does that happen? I have, it's, a, it's an amazing sight. This cool stream, 20 feet wide, uh, you know, Coors would have loved this for a commercial, you know, the Rocky Mountain spring water kind of stuff. Just pick it up. It's sweet to drink. And, and we were there in that place and dad was telling this story as I remember it. And, and I saw my dad weeping, which is not unusual for us bus Kirks, but I decided I'd, I'd check it out. And, and I asked dad afterwards what he was talking about, and he, he, what was going on. And, and, and he said, oh, I, was, I was just so tired. He said, and, The question on my heart as I was preparing what I was going to say was, God, how do you you keep flowing when you're empty? Where do you find the strength when you're poured out? And then he said, I looked at this place and I stood in this water and I drank from this stream and I heard in my spirit, it's not hard to flow like this when you flow out of the rock. 
And I pray for you moms, wherever you are, whenever you feel dry and spent and done, that you know the true fountain that's life-giving. That being loved like you're loved by Him, you can live loving. That you can return again and again to, to that place where you know how deeply cherished you are. And, and then find in yourself that, that love to, to wipe the nose of the little kid that just slapped you in the face. <laughs> For you to continue to pour out and to be a lamp wherever God has placed you. If we cannot be hidden as a lamp, and if we should not be hidden as a, as, as a lamp, then therefore let us shine. And in verse 16, it, it unpacks that a little bit. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Lamps, we are to shine in such a way. Uh, shine in such a way that we're not shining for our own glory. We're shining in order to serve other people. You, you don't take a lamp in a house and put it on a pedestal. For the family to gather around and go, ooh, what a lamp. You know, that, that's not what happens. You, you put the lamp on the pedestal, right? And, 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 the, and the, ped, the, the lamp becomes the light by which everyone else sees. It, 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 it's a way of loving others in such a way that you empower them rather than just captivate them. You understand what I'm saying? That describes for me the altruistic nature of, of, of a mother's love. Uh, that, it, that it should, we can go advance a few slides here. A few more. There you go. There's the lamp on a pedestal. One more. Okay. How is it that, that, that we love like this? Lamps are not to look at, they're to see by. When we're this kind of servant, we become a, an enabling presence to those that are around us. I, I remember, and I've told this story before, sorry if it bores you, but my mom's my mom and I love her. Uh, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I just graduated from college, I'd gone to seminary, and uh, it was horrible. Horrible. It's a, you can check this out. In 1986... Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, went 90 days without seeing the sun. Rained every stinking day. And this Midwest boy from Oklahoma about lost his mind. Where's the sun? I don't know if you, if you have seasonal defective disorder, whatever that's called, right? You know, but, but, but if I go a week without sun, I start getting down in, in the dumps. 90 days? Are you kidding me? And I was in this basement apartment near the school. The guy that was supposed to come there and be my roommate backed out the week before we came. So I'm there by myself. I don't have a friend in the world. I've grown up in Tulsa. Gone to 
college here and high school here and enjoyed not being able to go to a quick trip anywhere in town without seeing somebody I knew. Have you ever, Tulsa is that kind of small town town. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and I, I went to Atlanta and I went six months without a single person, it seemed, calling me by name when I was out in public. I had just disappeared on the, and I, I got in this depressive place and, and I'd spent a week trying to write one simple paper. It's just a five-page paper. This should not have been difficult to do. And I stared at the computer and nothing came. And it got to where I was throwing books around my, my, my room, just frustrated that why can't I make sense of this? You know, when your mind gets to such a depressive, sometimes you just can't even put thoughts together anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I, I called home and Dad started to give me some really good advice that I really didn't want. You know, about, about how to study and how to, and all of it was great, and I, I really wasn't interested. I was just hurting. And mom was on the phone, and she heard that. And I think dad paid for the ticket the next day. Mom was in Atlanta. She didn't have any wisdom on eschatology, and I didn't ask for it. She just made me breakfast and folded some clothes and sat in my little makeshift living room. And from the other room, there was light where I was. Ladies, do you understand that the power of your mere presence with the rest of us? I got that paper done in two days. The depression lifted, and mom left like she had not done anything miraculous. But, but I knew the difference. Ladies, you, you could have that kind of touch and power, sometimes even when you don't know it, with, with those around you. You are those kinds of mercy givers, and, and, and when you love us like that, we, we see God in you. When you live that way before others, your good works not only give us reason to praise you, they give us reason to, to praise God. Bishop Lance Webb tells the story of his child, from his childhood. His, his mother loved to dress him up in an all-white outfit. You know, ice cream suit kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Where, and, and maybe I had a picture actually taken in one of these. And uh, I've... Uh, Threatened my family that it ever show up in public. But you remember the you remember these little the little white shoes, and then you, then you had pants with suspenders. Uh, this is from way back, guys. But but this all white suit thing, you know. And my precious little boy, we used to do this in the south to the boys, and they would they would raise up to become men, and somewhere along the way they'd burn the house to get rid of these pictures. But but. You know, cute, cute little kid in, in, in his, in his all-white suit. And his mom, after she got him together and he looked just perfect, it may have even been a Mother's Day, she went to get herself together. But she knew that he had to wait patiently until she was ready for them to go on to church. And he was in his all-white Sundays. And she said, now it's been raining outside. Just stay inside. Whatever you do, don't go outside. You tell a five-year-old kid, whatever you do. They do. So, so after a little while of being bored and becoming impatient, he walked outside and he saw all those inviting mud puddles. 
and he thought, you know, I, I, I can jump as well in my whites as I do in my play clothes during the week. And he would have made it over that puddle too if he hadn't slipped that last step. And as he did, his feet went out from under him and all that white went down in all that muck. And he was soaked and he was soiled and he knew it would not go well inside. But he also knew the heart of his mother. And he ran back into her where she was getting ready and he was all ready and he tears and he said, Mommy, Mommy, please just whip me real fast and love me real good. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> him up in an all white outfit. You know, ice cream suit kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Where, and, and maybe I had a picture actually taken in one of these and uh, I've... Uh, Threatened my family that it ever show up in public. But do you remember the you remember these little the little white shoes, and then then you had pants with suspenders. Uh, this is from way back, guys. But but this all white suit thing, you know. And my precious little boy, we used to do this in the South to the boys, and they would they would raise up to become men, and somewhere along the way they'd burn the house to get rid of these pictures. But but. You know, cute, cute little kid in and, and his, and his all-white suit. And his mom, after she got him together and he looked just perfect, it may have even been a Mother's Day, she went to get herself together. But she knew that he had to wait patiently until she was ready for them to go on to church. And he was in his all-white Sundays. And she said, now it's been raining outside. Just stay inside. Whatever you do, don't go outside. You tell a five-year-old kid, whatever you do. They do. So, so after a little while of being bored and becoming impatient, he walked outside and he saw all those inviting mud puddles. And he thought, you know, I, I, I can jump as well in my whites as I do in my play clothes during the week. And he would have made it over that puddle too if he hadn't slipped that last step. And as he did, his feet went out from under him and all that white went down in all that muck. And he was soaked and he was soiled and he knew it would not go well inside but he also knew the heart of his mother and he ran back into her where she was getting ready and he was all ready and he tears and he said mommy mommy please just whip me real fast and love me real good <laughs> and she did <laughs> 